This is MC Fireside Chats, a weekly show devoted to the outdoor hospitality industry, hosted by Brian Searle and Kara Sismadia. You'll hear from special guests that focus on topics to help your business succeed, all backed by Modern Campground, the most innovative news source in the industry. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of MC Fireside Chats. My name is Brian Searle with Insider Perks here with my dog, Riley, who is a lap dog and can't get out of the spotlight for whatever reason. So she's here today with me. I'm sitting outside. I'm back in Canada. Super excited to be back from the KOA conference, the Arvit conference, OHCE, the IAPA conference. It was really kind of action-packed two weeks here. But outside, it's beautiful. It's sunny. Yes, it's cold. Yes, there's snow there. But, you know, super excited to just be outside as we all are. We work in this amazing industry and want to spend out as much time out here as we can. So we've got a couple special guests missing a, a bunch of people this week because of the Thanksgiving holiday, as well as CCRBC is having their annual board meetings. So that pulled, pulled away Kara, my co-host, and a few other people. But super excited to have Phil back. He is alive. He is here. He apparently does other things besides be on the show, which shocked me, to be frank. But we're super excited to have Phil back to talk about the RV industry, the RVDA convention, things like that. We've got Susan Carpenter back from the RV Women's Alliance. She's going to talk to us about some cool awards and some other things that have been happening with amazing female leaders in the industry. And we've got Peggy and Andy Staver, who are full-time RVers, right? Who are going to talk yep. a little bit about some of their journeys and things that are going on. So I don't know. Where do we want to start, Phil? You take the lead. You decide. Well, sure. Thanks, Brian. And it's great to be back on the show after a kind of a busy travel schedule this fall as the industry is kind of getting back into some of its travel patterns and norms with some of the industry events. We're just coming off our annual convention for RV dealers that we had in Las Vegas, Nevada, a couple of weeks ago, and uh, had really good attendance. We were up 16% over 2021. Nice. We were really pleased to welcome back a lot of our Canadian friends who found it a little difficult to travel last year. It was an interesting conference because, you know, it, while the market is softening and certainly there's been a lot of attention paid to that. Uh, people were in a pretty good mood. They, you know, realizing that, you know, the last quarter of 2021 was going to be very difficult to match year over year for shipment figures and sales figures. So we're kind of adjusting to a normalized inventory environment. And, uh, you know, people are looking to go back to basics, customer service, customer follow-up. And of course, you know, we did pump about 2 million new RVs into the bloodstream over the last five years. So those are going to be need to, you know, need service and aftermarket support. And certainly dealers are gearing up for that. So we're very pleased with the turnout and, you know, the mood of the industry is good. You know, the manufacturers are kind of adjusting production to the retail demand. And, you know, we'll sell through some of the inventory that is on dealers lots right now through the show season in the U.S. and in Canada. And, you know, we'll see how we hit the ground in late winter, early spring as dealers start to to reorder. Will you talk a little bit about that just from an economic perspective? Because we have a lot of campground owners who watch the show maybe aren't as familiar with the RV industry and how inventory works. And I think, you know, coming off the KOA convention, the Arvid convention, and just listening to the owners and some of the sessions that were going on, I think there is a valid concern about the economy overall but from a standpoint of softening in 2023, but I don't think that's going to be impacted at all by the number of shipments specifically. 
And then you and I had that conversation about how like we feel camping is a resilient market regardless. Oh, absolutely. And you know, some of the research, the forward-looking research that KOA and others are doing shows that camping has really never been more popular. And so while shipments and sales may slow down somewhat, you know, campground registration, advanced registration is very strong, you know, during the last big recession, while, you know, the RV industry was down 40, 50% in shipments and sales, you know, the campground occupancy rates barely budged because camping is an affordable way for people to vacation. And now with all these new buyers we brought in during the, you know, the pandemic kind of bubble that we've had, it should be a very, very good year for campgrounds. And, you know, I don't know if you guys have noticed, but I mean, there's a lot of people taking notice of the campground sector. There's more private equity money coming in. People who are involved in real estate investments are looking at campground expansion and even the public lands agencies are looking at modernizing and maybe even expanding campgrounds on state parks and even county owned property. So, you know, it's a really exciting time to be a campground owner, I would think. And uh, I think occupancy rates are really going to be strong moving into next year. Yeah, I 100% agree with you. I mean, I think there's probably a breaking point for every industry, but I don't think we're anywhere close to that yet. And that's kind of what we were hearing at Arvik and KOA too. I mean, we've been, again, the last recession, the data points we have to pick from is 2008 and we did very well through that. And even attending IAPA, which for those of you who don't know is the international, I, can't, I always forget what it is, but it's where all the theme park operators buy their rides and they have 4,000 vendors and it's a super cool show in Orlando every year. But even talking to some of those people, it's the same sentiment in the attractions industry that people will still want to be entertained. They still will want to go on a vacation and camping allows them the ability to adjust that to either do closer to home or again, maybe stay in a state park or a BLM lander, which is not what private campgrounds want to hear, I know, but camping is camping, right? And I'm not saying they're all going to do that, but yeah, I, I think there's definitely an upbeat sentiment in that. Uh, what, how do you yeah. feel, Peggy and Andy? You guys are full-time RVers. Tell us a little bit about your story. Well, we started full-time RVing back in October of 2017. So we've been doing it about five years. One of the reasons we started is... I had worked for a the Veterans Administration Hospital, and there was just things going on there that I, I just needed to get out of that system. And travel nursing had a big draw for me. And we knew then if we were going to do the travel nursing, we wanted to have our own stuff, sleep in our own bed, our own kitchen, everything. And so we just thought that the full-time RVing was going to be the best way to go. So we made the investment, personal investment and equipment was we, you know, got an appropriate size truck and a pretty good, pretty comfortable grand design fifth wheel and we did that and really we're yeah we did that for three years and then a couple years ago we upgraded downgraded whatever swapped into a motor coach (laughs) and uh, so peggy says you didn't downgrade for sure she says it was was, it's a big upgrade to class a or what yes there were concessions you know the wheel had more living space less storage Class A, we have so much more storage, but probably a hundred or fifty or square feet less living space. But it's still pretty comfortable. Well, you just drive to Florida and then you can live outside, right? Or something like during the winters. Yeah. Florida, Texas. Yeah. Well, well, like that, we did know. that last October. We did go down to Florida for a while. Yeah. yeah. And uh, we have a reservation now for Arizona for you know, for uh, yeah, Tucson. So that's gonna be January and February. 
That's nice. Three weeks ago, I would have told you, like, go to Florida always. And then I went to Arvik and sat through a hurricane. And I was promised sunshine with all the Arvik marketing. I'm not saying it's Arvik's fault, but it was, you know, I was expecting right. sunshine and I had to sit through a hurricane. So, But other than that, which is ending now, Florida is, yeah, just it's a part of that freedom, right? That, that you get to be able to travel wherever you want. You can't pick up your hotel and move. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah, now that he's retired from the travel nursing because we had to travel, we Based it on the jobs. They go out there and look yeah. and see what's open at different places. So we did Arizona, a couple of West, places. Texas a couple of times. And uh, so now we have more flexibility. Mexico. How yeah. long have you been doing this, the traveling nurses? It no. was five years, just a little over five years. We just, we started that October, 2017. So and can I ask be- you, and just because like, we've only got four people on the show, I'm trying to stretch it out for time a little bit, but I am curious, right? Because my girlfriend's a respiratory therapist too. How did what you did or change or traveled or how you, like, how did that impact with COVID? Did you change where you were going? Did you change what you were doing? What jobs you would accept? Was there more available? Yeah, presented a lot more challenges. There were a lot of campgrounds that were closed or the ones that chose and remained open. There were no facilities. So they stipulated when you booked, you have to be completely self-contained. And so that made it kind of challenging. Also the availability of campgrounds, in other words, that job I had to turn down in Nebraska because there was only one and it was a good sized campground. They had no, no available spots. So I had to make some compromises on what hospital I wanted to work to. So we ended up going to Western Nebraska and I did about 13 week assignment there. And you feel like actually, you... go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. We were just on a delay. I thought you were done, sir. Go ahead. Well, the campground that we stayed at in Nebraska was an old KOA. And it was uh, purchased years ago by an individual, and she's doing a remarkable job of keeping it going. And and so, a solo owner, yeah. female, one person owns it, and she has, she turned it around and had been empty for years. Years. It, well, go ahead and shout her out if you want. I mean, give her the credit she's due if you want. Was to. Captain C- Captain Critter's Country Campground in Scotts Bluff, Nebraska, and her name is Sue, and I can't, I can't Sue's remember her last name, name right now. That's <laughs> awesome. You'll notice yeah. that Sue is a good name for strong female women in the yes. industry. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's, 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 like that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's the name. It's all in the name. Let's talk right. about, let's, let's do, that's actually a good segue. Right? Let's talk about, Susan, if we want to swap to you, you and it's been a couple of months since you've been on the show too, but talk about some of these awards you gave to some of these strong women who probably are not all named Sue. Uh, no, no, but they're still amazing women just the same. So the RV Women's Alliance, one of the first things when we, you know, launched it is we wanted to do some kind of education symposium where, you know, we had awards recognizing women in the industry and men in the industry and companies there that are either they trailblazed or they're making a difference. And so back about a month ago, almost six weeks ago, we had our first symposium in Chicago where you know, we brought in Purdue University and some speakers and just some really great leadership training. And then we had our awards ceremony. And one of the awards was the Trailblazer Award for Lifetime Achievement. And that went to Debbie before I always mess up her name. Bruno Forte. That's right. Bruno no. Forte. 
I knew Bill would get it. So Little Dealer, Little Prices. And Debbie has really been a trailblazer in our industry. She has the campground. She's She now is a part of the Campers Inn Company, but amazing woman. And she really has trailblazed a lot of roads for women in this industry. And then we had our Leaders of Tomorrow Award. And this was recognized that is younger or just starting in the RV industry and you know, we recognize her as the leader for tomorrow. And I went to Alyssa Cox at Forest River. And when we had a champion of women award, so one would be an individual and one was a company. And then basically somebody or a company that is doing something to champion women within their company, their culture. The individual who won it was Kim Gregory out of CoachNet, and that's out of Texas. And the other one was Winnebago Industries. And how those awards, we had an award committee. There were quite a few nominations for these awards. And then, you know, that awards committee did a very deep dive into, you know, all the different criteria. Did they meet it? And all that kind of stuff. So we're really excited to do that for the first time this year. And it was received very well. And we'll be doing it again next year. What do you think sets your awards apart, other than trying to recognize more female, you know, right? right. Um, what do you think sets apart your awards from, because I feel like everybody's doing awards now and I know yours aren't yeah. the same. So can you just kind of give us a, well, yours are better, I not think, better, but different? No, I think ours is different because it's not really focused on any particular segment of the industry. All you have to do is be involved in the industry. So not just a dealer or, you know, a OEM or a campground or, you know, a distributor or anything like that. It's not very focused, you know, so it's anybody working within the industry, which casts a pretty wide net. And that's really kind of what RBWA is bringing the whole industry as a whole together and, you know, bringing women to the front of the line, basically. And we have men that's involved in it too. So we had a couple men also that were nominated for the champion of women and they didn't win because they didn't deserve it. They just there was somebody that obviously deserved it a little bit more. And so she won it, but for great contenders as well. I really am a fan of awards that do that try to be inclusive of the whole industry because we're all tied together. As I think yep. everybody in the show will agree, the RV industry to the dealers and the manufacturers and the suppliers to the campgrounds, to the resorts, to now glamping to everything, right? The associations and everybody. So it really is interesting to, to kind of let everybody participate in the same pool and see who the best of the best is, right? Yeah. I mean, we focus, you know, a lot of empowerment and education and promotion, not promotion within your do job, but promotion of, of women in the industry out there. We promote a lot of them, you know, out there showing what they do and what they can do. And so, you know, that's a really great thing that we're able to do that, you know, is separate from everything and just focusing on that particular segment. Is there a place in 2023 that you'd like to take the awards or expand them and do it, you know, now that you've had one year under your belt? Everybody loves Chicago. So it's very centrally located. I know a lot of people are here in Elkhart, but, you know, we're not the easiest place to get to. And we want to, once again, be inclusive and not just say, hey, it's just for, you know, Elkhart. So Chicago, we very well received. The hotel was very well received. So for the second year, we're going to have it in Chicago again. And we're going to try to stay away from the, the Canadian Thanksgiving. We kind of oops on that one. We had it during your Thanksgiving. Whoops. Well, that's all right. Yeah. We'll next time. We were, talking, we were talking with Phil right before the show started, <laughs> like AOA and Arabic and 
IAPA and RVDA, and they all overlap because this is the best yeah. time to for the industry. So you can't, it's, it's impossible. You it's can't. hard. It's really yeah. hard. You know, when somebody asks you when's the best time, it's like, there is no best time. There's just the time that's available and you do the best you can. But after that, I think we'll expand. But for now, I think because it's so new, we're going to keep it in Chicago. It was well received. We had about 200 people attend. So it's awesome. Yeah, we're really excited about it. And was it just, it was just awards or was it? A, no, a we had produced, it was a day and a half. So we had big networking events and we also had Purdue University come in and teach two classes, one for emerging leaders and one for current leaders on leadership and diversity, equity, inclusion, and what it looks like within your company and that kind of stuff. And then we had Commander Mary Kelly. She was a commander in the Navy. And she spoke and she was amazing. I got to admit, you meet her. She's just like, yeah, how do you want to be introduced? She's I don't care. Whatever. You don't get that many, you know, with speakers like that, you don't get that very often. She was just very herself, but she was a big hit too. So it was really exciting. Usually leads to a good leader, right? As somebody who's humble and doesn't need that 10 page bio read about them before they take the stage. Yeah. So not to insult anybody who does that, right? But yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was a lot of fun and it was a good opportunity to network and everybody who attended are like, oh, I'm bringing more people next year. So we're really excited about that and what we're able to accomplish for the very first time. It was quite the hit. Well, let's keep awards going. Do we want to, I mean, Phil, I saw that there yeah. were some pretty impressive award winners at, at your show there in Las Vegas. You want to talk a little bit about that? Right. Well, we gave out our highest honor. It's called the James B. Summers Award. And it's Named after one of our past CEOs, somebody who held my position back in the 80s. And it's our highest award. In fact, Debbie Bruneforte, who Susan honored, is a past award recipient. So it's the highest honor RVDA can give out. And this year it went to Brian Wilkins of Wilkins RV. And Brian um, grew up in the industry. He, uh, he just gave a wonderful speech about how much the industry means to him. He's built the dealership from a single location in upstate to New York. I think they have six locations now. They're a real force in RV retailing up in the New York area. And, you know, Brian is also a past RVDA chairman of the board. And, you know, you may have heard the industry talk about repair event cycle time and how we can get people who have a problem with their RV fixed and out the door in a much more timely manner. So repair event cycle time. And when Brian was chairman working with RVD of Canada as well, he really pushed this. And, you know, other subsequent chairmen have, and subsequent RVDA boards, as well as the RVIA board, have really taken this on to move this initiative forward. And it's somewhat now institutionalized in our strategic plan for both RVIA and RVDA. So, you know, Brian was a real leader in this effort. And that award, you know, recognized him for that accomplishment, as well as all the other things he's done for the RV business. He's just, uh, he's a really great guy and a really good businessman, and, and it was well-deserved. We also gave out our Dealer Satisfaction Index awards to a number of manufacturers. RVDA surveys dealers every year and asks them to rate their manufacturer's performance in a number of categories. And so we honor the top performers in that area every year. And so we were pleased to do that. And then our chairman of the board for 2022, Mike Pirro gave out a couple of awards, one to Gary Enyart, who just retired from Cummins. He received it for his work 
in continuing the work in RECT. He's kind of a team leader in that. And then he also gave an award to Chris Andro, a dealer in Connecticut, who's a past RBDA chairman of the board and has done a lot of work within the industry. So it was exciting. And then of course, RV Business does its top 50 dealer awards, recognizing dealers all across the country and in Canada who, you know, go beyond, above and beyond in their community and also within the industry. So it was, it was, we did, we gave out our share of awards. I can tell you. Don't you do the 40 under 40 too? Yes. Actually, yeah. Thanks for reminding yeah. me. Pro has, has over the last two years done 40 under 40. So this is um, people within the industry who are kind of up and comers. And so that, that was a really nice event they held during the convention as well. So thanks for reminding me about that. I don't want to slight anybody. And no, anybody else who got an award, yeah. congratulations. He just thought of you. He promises. In his head, he just didn't have enough time to say it out loud. But we would love, like, I would love to get more of these people involved in the show and highlight some of their accomplishments, even just if it's an article in Modern Campground, right? Because, yes, they're up in front of their peers. They get all these awards, which is great for the recognition. But I feel like there's a deeper story sometimes that we can tell. And so like, if your guys ever has suggestions, whether it's this year's winners, past winners, whatever, I'd love to hear. Yeah. They all, they all have something to give back to everybody else, their stories and what they've done. Some are just inspirational, some great mentorships, like Phil was saying about Brian. I mean, wow, because I know that cycle time is huge right now. I mean, it's, it's a really big initiative and I hadn't realized that Brian had started that and what he started was pretty incredible. Yeah. You know, our incoming chairman, Nathan Hart from Walnut Ridge Family RV Center in Southern Indiana, he grew up in the campground business and he's got a great story. He and his dad bought a campground in 1991 and he was a little kid and his brother, they worked in the campground cutting, you know, grass and doing all this stuff. And then people would ask them about their RV and could they help them fix it or move it or whatever. And so they got the idea of, hey, why don't we start selling RVs? And so they've grown that business from a campground to a very large, significant dealer in Indiana. And now he's got other business partners. He's got RVs, RV dealerships in Louisiana. And so it's, Susan's right. I mean, there are so many great stories in the RV business because a lot of it is second, third, and now we're getting into fourth generation people who've been involved with the industry. And it, once it gets in your bloodstream, once you start working <laughs> in it, it's really hard to give it up because, you know, what are we doing? We're trying to provide people with a way to travel, spend time with their family and have fun. And, you know, we've got, not saying we don't have our issues with support and things like that, because we do, and we're trying to work on those. But Everybody does. a lot of people are, you know, once they start in the business, they, they find it hard to extricate themselves. You know, I, I always leave, once you're there, once you're in, you, they'll never let you out. I mean, yeah. it's wild. And that's not a bad thing because this industry is pretty great. I mean, you know, you take Peggy and Andy there, you know, those are the people that, you know, make our business, make or break it, right? Their experience and everything else like that. You know, you talk about the market softening, you know, as Phil knows, I've been in the aftermarket for way too many years than I'd like to admit, but my paying job, but as the market softens a little bit on new unit sales, you know, back in 08, 09, when I had, you know, I owned my company, we stayed afloat very well just because what we did was replacement parts. 
And I'm still in the replacement parts, just at a different company now. But that's where people are starting to fix up. We'll wait a couple more years and we can replace this hatch or whatever. And what they don't do, money's tight. They don't, they might not replace an air conditioner. They may just open windows, you know, that type of thing might take a little bit more of a hit, but you know, you can't listen to everything. No. ways. But it is interesting. Like we would, oh, sorry, go ahead, Susan. I'm sorry. You're talking about the RV dealers. We had a really good experience with an RV dealer recently in Bernalillo, New Mexico. If I could give a shout out to Aloha RV Bernalillo, because we had to have our refrigerator replaced. I don't know if there was a residential, the LG refrigerators, there's a lot of issues with them. There were a lot of RVs that had to have them replaced. And they originally were going to take it out through the windshield. And the factory had. Well, when we purchased the RV, the dealer said, you know, if you ever have refrigerator problems, you're going to want to get this extended warranty. So we did, because if it goes through the windshield, it's going to be minimum seven to $8,000. So I was like, all right, you sold us on that. We ended up taking this to the factory for some warranty work. And we mentioned that fact to the coachman people. And they said, oh, it ended up got through this particular window over here. So we remember that. Also, with the residential refrigerator, a lot of uh, repair companies won't come in knowing it's an RV. So when we booked with a company in Albuquerque, they didn't ask. We didn't tell them, you know, where we were living. We just gave them an address. The guy showed up, didn't say a word, reported back to his people. And then his boss contacted us and I said, well, had we known you were in an RV, we wouldn't have come out. So then I asked him why. And he said, well, there's a risk of destroying trim work, which in my mind thought, I thought can happen in a sticks and bricks home too. And then he also mentioned the lack of space. Well, I said the tech didn't complain about that at all. So we talked back and forth a little bit and he agreed to finish the job because I kind of said, I think it would be good for you to finish when you started. And he agreed with that. Yeah. So we gave that repair company great reviews. They unfortunately couldn't fix it and we had a big back and forth oh, with the manufacturer and yeah, this would take hours to explain. Anyway, we kind of did some preliminary shopping. We went to some big box stores, found refrigerator we wanted, and we made arrangements then with the Aloha RV, told them what we we're going to do. They thought they were going to have to go through the windshield. I said, no, go right through here. They ended up having to take the doors off the fridge, got it out. The new refrigerator was slightly smaller, same square footage, but physical outside dimensions were well within proportions to go in and out the window. So that was a great learning experience, great experience for both of us, the company and us. And well, they worked us in. They yeah. knew, I mean, we had to order the refrigerator and have it delivered. And, you know, we went to that. We just went, didn't we go there? We didn't do my phone. We went right. there to get the appointment set up and everything. We found that it's a lot better to show up in person places than it is to try to do things over the phone. And yeah. so... They, yeah, they were, it was great. They yeah. did it and it looked great. They put the window back in. Just, we had no issues with the window. Everything's yeah. sealed up. They. Six people in the forklift. <laughs> they had a reattach the new refrigerator to the back wall. So it doesn't bounce out down the road. It was yeah. a, it was quite a thing for anybody yeah. that with a motor coach and they have to replace a refrigerator. It's not as small thing at all. So we're glad we got that extended warranty. Is there a way, and I know we've had talked on the show before, right? And this is. Just an ignorant question from my standpoint, probably to fill and to season to a certain extent. But is there a way that, well, I don't know what I would really want to ask. I guess I'm trying to ask, basically saying, Peggy and Andy, that this guy didn't have RV training, right? Who actually helped you? 
Is that accurate? Right. Okay. Well, he was so, a refrigerator repairman. Oh, yeah, because yeah. their business is based on residential. Yeah, and it's a homes. residential refrigerator. Yeah. So are there, I mean, what percentage, maybe Phil, like what can be done by somebody like this outside of the refrigerator and what has to go in for specialty? Because I know there's a shortage of people who can work on this stuff, right? That's right. Well, I mean, I think they're in a, they're in a larger coach that can handle a residential refrigerator. Most okay. RVs, right. the vast majority of RVs have the smaller ones, the college, the, dormant, the, the regular, the other types of RV refrigerators that are meant for RV and Marine use. So, but when you are in a larger coach and they do put those bigger ones in, then you kind of get the stories that, that we just heard. And I am glad you had a good experience with Aloha RV there. They're a great member in New Mexico of RVDA. And, you know, that's certainly, you know, kind of get to the point of what we saw during the downturn was the most successful RV dealers that were able to weather that storm back 10 years ago were the ones that had full service. Right, Susan? I mean, the yeah. people that have a commitment to not only just selling you the unit, but also servicing what they sell. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, that's kind of where RVDA's bread and butter is. In fact, you know, to be an RVDA member, you're supposed to have service facilities as well. So, and certainly, you know, there's varying levels of that, but the most successful dealers certainly are full service dealers that service and have parts, parts department and all that as well. Because I think, you know, like you said, in the next couple of years, it's something soft and, I mean, think of all those RVs that are out there that need to be serviced, Oh, you know, and that's, what's going to be great. And, you know, Peggy and Andy, it's, it's so great to hear a nice story. Cause all you hear nowadays is, you know, the negative of everything, everything's negative. And it's just because that's what's being, better, right? like, we all know that most yeah. people are probably happy. Those stories just don't play well, which is why exactly. you see that on the local news every night. So, yes. well, yeah. yeah, we had a good outcome yesterday too. We had to have a mobile tech come out and repair our hot water heater and water pump. And he was actually the service lead service guy at an RV dealership. It's probably a hundred yards from us. And he came out there and asked for a recommendation. Yeah. Yes. So, so this local RV dealership gave us his card and. It was a great experience. And so we got everything done within in a couple hours. So yeah. shout out to this gentleman, the, the RV tech. He, he was a rock star too. So who all comes to the, is it just dealers who come to the RVDA convention, Phil, or is it, are there separate conventions for manufacturers and suppliers or I'm just, I'm ignorant, right? From that. Well, RVDA. Yeah, we have, it's primarily dealers that are the, you know, the attendees and then we have a exhibitor. So we have an expo floor. It is. Primarily services that dealers use in the back end, everything okay. from computer systems to marketing companies. There are some suppliers there. We do have a few rolling stock units on the floor, but we all, you know, we encourage everybody to come to the convention because I really do believe that the suppliers get a lot out of it as well when they attend some of the workshops that we do for the dealers on customer service, on managing the dealership. I mean, the more you know about your customer, the better you can serve them. And I think we also do a specific vendor training. We allow that opportunity. There's a lot of interest in that, especially, you know, as RVs have become more complex over the years, there's just, there's just a lot that goes into it. And so whether it's, you know, a computer system or new features and on some of the component parts, towing system, things like that, we allow the vendors to do some actual training and right at the convention as well. So 
it's it's grown quite a bit over the last few years. Yeah, We're, and I think you get a lot of FaceTime with the dealers, like you say, but you also have on your showroom floor for like the aftermarket, a lot of your distributors partake too. So for a supplier like myself, you know, not only are you talking to the dealers, but you're also talking to your customer that's distributing the product as well. It's a really, it, it really is a good show. I didn't get out. I'm yeah. glad you said that about the inclusive, you know, anybody who's welcome to come, Phil, because, you know, just like we talked about the awards, I think everything goes hand in hand. You know, for me, when I'm going, I run a marketing agency, I run moderncampground.com, but, you know, I want to attend Arvik and I want to go to these educational sessions at KOA and Arvik and IAPA and everywhere else, because the more I know about finance and, you know, what's why we're having the show right now, right? The more I learn about parts and how a dealer works and it, the more I can help people who cross my paths and pass along information and it's just, it interconnects the industry even more. Yeah. You're networking too. You know, it's what I tell everybody. Networking is like, is your number one tool for anything to be successful in life is just to network, get to know other people, what they do, learn. You know, there's so much to learn out there. Like you said, Brian, I hope I never stop learning. There's still things oh, yeah. you know, just like, huh, you know. But you're not wrong about networking. Like that's the, like I'll go, I, I, I spent weeks in Orlando, right? And this is not my favorite thing to do. I'm an outgoing person, but like there's other things I would do than stay up till two o'clock in the morning, drinking whiskey with people or whatever. But, but those are the good conversations. Those are the networking. Those are the times you hear tips that you wouldn't hear anywhere else. So I did that for two weeks straight and killed myself and went, you know, four hours of sleep, but it was great. I met so many people and had so many conversations and learned so many new things and met so many new people and like that's, we've had those conversations with some associations, both in the States and in Canada too, about what does the future of conferences look like post COVID? And some of them will stay the same, but some of them are adjusting. Like the glamping show cut down a little bit on their education, focus more on networking this year. And I think that's one thing that you will never, ever replace regardless of what happens is that network. Yeah. It's key. It really is. It's super, super critical. What else we have to talk about? We got about 20 minutes left to fill here, guys. What's new? And what were you up to this summer, Bill? What's happening? This summer, well, speaking of national parks, took the family to Acadia, which was a beautiful uh, place to be. It was interesting there to see that the campgrounds up there were full. I mean, they were full. Uh, you could not get a spot unless you had made a reservation at least six months in advance. Always been public on my and the private sites around Acadia were full, but no, you know, it, like I was telling you, I think the industry is kind of getting back to some normal meetings, some state association, state RV association meetings were held. So I was at to the Texas RV association, Oklahoma RV association, Florida RV association meeting, as well as the, uh, the open house in Elkhart in late September. And so it was really good to, to see, uh, to see folks. And the open house was well attended. They, they changed some things around this year, but, but it was really to see some of the new products coming out at, at that show. And that has really become the big manufacturer showcase. And then they also have a, a supplier vendor area at the RVMH hall of fame now that they put together. So it's, you know, it's a great opportunity for people to get together. And, and I know I saw you out there, Susan. So. Yep. Yep. We've ran into each other. Well, let's do this, guys, since this is the last RV industry outdoor rec show of the year, right? Because we're going to take off between Christmas and New Year's. I mean, if you guys really want to come to a show, you can, but I'm not going to be here. So uh, 
let's assume that this is the last one for the year. Let's talk about, you know, think tomorrow's Thanksgiving for those of you in the United States, which is everybody except me, I think. Let's talk about something, and I mean, it can't be cheeky. I'm going to put you guys on the spot, right? Let's talk about something over the last year that you're thankful for. It can be in the industry. It can be a personal story. It can be whatever you want. Just tell us a little story about it. What are you thankful for? Whoever wants to go first. Wow. <laughs> well, I mean, it's Thanksgiving. We should be thankful, right? I think for us, we're very thankful for the ability to, well, speaking from a nurse, for me to be able to help people in their health crises, but we are also thankful for all the people that we met over the years and, you know, sharing our knowledge through our experiences with RVs and, and just helping out people in the RV world, healthcare, and also in our travels, we attend local churches and stuff. And so we're grateful to be able to share with the local people. And so I think it's just been a wonderful opportunity. We're in contact with people we met years ago at a campground. And uh, some of them we get together with them at other times. Yeah. Some of them we met a couple at a rally back in 2016 for, I don't even think they're still out there, for what they used to be called, the RV. R RV Dreams. RV yeah. Dreams. It was uh, Howard and Linda Payne had done that, if you ever heard of them. They're real big in there. But we met a couple there, and we're still in contact with them. They did full-time RV for a while. Then they decided they wanted us to have a place in Rockport, Texas. So they built a little cabin there, and then they were traveling around and then ended up doing their winters in Rockport. Then they said, we're done traveling. So they built a little place in Arkansas, Horseshoe Bend, Arkansas. So they are half the year at Horseshoe Bend and the other half the year down in Rockport. And it's just I don't know that we have some friends in Arizona and Mexico yeah. and Oklahoma. Yeah, it's just, we're just thankful that for this life, have the opportunity to do this for so long. And now that he's retired, we're still doing it. We're just changing it up a little bit. We can go where we want now instead of where we have to go. Yeah. We like to go to the little towns. We like, and that's what I'm grateful for. We, Las Vegas, New Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we stayed at a state park there. That was uh, cold. It's snowing. Interesting, all those little towns, right? Like I was, Modern Campground is actually headquartered in Dublin, Ohio, which is 20 minutes north of Columbus. And my badge at IAPA just said Dublin. So everybody thought I was from Ireland. It's like, oh, and you realize, you know. He's Irish. I mean, I am Irish, but I like once I talk, you realize that I'm not. But. Who wants to work in there? Happy to go or Bill? Yeah, I just say I just say thank you for your you know your former career because I know from firsthand experience that is that's a tough job and and you know I know a lot of people in healthcare with visiting nurses association do the RV thing and use RVs for certainly dealers are well aware of the activity that's out there and try to support people on the road like you are as as much as they can so thank you for that I just. You know, we sent out a note to our members just thanking them for their support of our charitable arm, the RV Learning Center, which we use for continuing education, not only at our convention and our in-person event, but we also have online courses for service advisors and parts personnel, which we are gearing up for in 2023. And we could not provide these courses at the very reasonable price of $150 for a five-hour course if we didn't have not only the financial support, but also the intellectual support of our subject matter experts who help us put those courses together. 
And so, you know, we talk about service technician training a lot in our business, which is unbelievably important, but you can have really highly trained techs. But if you've got service writers, advisors, and parts people who don't know what they're doing, don't know how to schedule, don't know how to really find out from the people what the problem with the unit is, you know, we get into this repair event cycle time issue and, you know, something's got to give. So we're trying to, through RVDA, train those management type personnel at the dealership, those frontline folks to do a better job. And also it helps them, you know, grow in their career so that they are well-equipped to handle what might come at them because it can be a highly tense situation when people are on vacation or getting ready to go on vacation and something's not working with the RV. And so, you know, this gives them the tools that to, you know, not only solve the problem, but also deal with the customers and lower the temperature of what can be a stressful situation for both the customer and the employee. Well, I'm going to piggyback off that a second and go next and just say that, like, I'm just thankful in general for the people who just give to the industry as a whole, like selflessly and not even just to the industry, but to people who are in need. And some of that ties into the industry, right? Like we are, we were at a KOA's convention. I was at KOA's convention last week and they do, as they always have done for years and years, a big thing on care camps. It used to be KOA care camps. Now it's just care camps. And just hearing, you know, they invite people up there to tell their stories about how camp changed their lives. And just the people, I think they raised $2.4 million or something last year to send these kids with cancer to these camps. And just, it's crazy. It's so emotional when you see, like, it really puts into perspective, like your whole life, right? Like the things that you complain about, the things that I would complain about on a daily basis are nothing compared to what it could be like if you had cancer or you had something else that was tragic in your life or some family member was suffering or something like that. So I guess I'm just thankful for all the people who give to care camps for obviously KOA who supports it for all the other organizations in the RV industry that support it as well for and on all those kinds of places and not just care camps, but you know, to, to what Phil's talking about, to the people who help support training and the growth and the education and, and all the things that make our industry what it is. That's mine. Wow. That's a hard, those are hard acts to follow. <laughs> um, mine's, mine's, I could probably talk about it for a couple hours because, you know, through the trials and tribulation through your life is the older you get. And I think we're all a little bit older. You become more and more thankful for even the littlest things, right? As silly as it sounds, your health, your family. I mean, those are very important to me. But like you guys said, this industry, I, I'm very blessed and thankful to be part of this industry. I love this industry. a lot, Just like a lot of other people in this industry, I grew up in it. I was second generation. The third generation in my household said no way. And they went and did other things. <laughs> <laughs> I think living with me and, and hearing all about it. But anyways, this industry is, it's unlike any other one, you know, worked in other industries as well as I was with RV, the RV side, but just to be able to be a part of such a large, but yet small family-like industry is pretty incredible. And anywhere from, you know, Peggy and Andy, the people that are actually in the coaches to the people that build the coaches and the role I play in RVWA that I never really expected when we first started the organization was the different people I got to meet in so many different roles and such incredible 
incredible, inspirational people. And I'm really thankful to be in that role to actually get to know these people. And they've done nothing but enrich my life. I mean, I don't think you did a pretty good job or pretty bad job following us, Susan. That was pretty good. So, <laughs> I almost just spoke there. That was almost terrible, but I corrected myself quick enough, I think. No, oh, not shit. at all. I mean, it, it's fantastic. I mean, I, you know, I Peggy and Andy, I would, you know, you're still doing it, so you must love it. Yeah. Yeah, we've, how many coaches have we had? What are we in there? Well, let's see. We start out with Papa. Two travel trailers, two fifth wheels, and the motor coach. And so I'm the only one that went from the pop-up to the trailer, travel trailer, to the fifth wheel, to a tent. Oh, it's awesome. <laughs> now that's downsizing. Very <laughs> much. Maybe, find... maybe they didn't get lucky and couldn't find somebody to re replace their refrigerator. Yeah, that's right. They're still camping, though. That's the important part. They're still that's camping. right. That's yeah. right. Well, and that's the thing. I love camping. I mean, I grew up on it and I grew up on RVing, but you know, when I moved, I just don't have time, and, but I still love the experience. So I don't think I, I don't really, I have a tent, but it's not necessarily roughing it because I mean, I have an air mat that's like super deep and, you know, end tables. Yeah. yeah you know, so <laughs> we're a little bit more of a glamping. All you know. for, yeah. I'm all for roughing it, but my body doesn't agree as the years continue to stack up. So. Exactly. I couldn't get off the ground if I was sleeping in the ground. Those days are gone. It's new. I feel like I probably have a couple more days of those, but it's going to be creaky. So, <laughs> yeah. My chiropractor will help with that. So, what else? Right, let's do this. Go ahead. Sorry. I was just going to say, I just found out over the weekend my brothers who live in Minnesota just went in and sh are shared the expense of buying one of these RV ice houses. So it's a oh, RV yeah. in the summer. It's a travel trailer in the summer. And in the winter, they can haul it out on Mille Lacs Lake in Minnesota. And it's an ice fish out of it. I can hardly wait to go visit them and see this thing in action. That's but, so cool. Yeah, it's a big, it's a big sport. And there's a couple of Minnesota manufacturers who build them up there. So it should be very interesting to check this thing out. Oh, Minnesota loves their ice fishing. I mean, so do we up here. Do you, I, I, I've never I, been. Like, I wanted to go, but I can't. Been, like, well, it. Sitting in a tiny two by two hut is like the thing to do. Like, I don't know enough people in Canada yet. I just moved up here, so all my friends are down in the states. But all how do you catch ice? Good <laughs> <laughs> question. Anybody? <laughs> Phil will be able to answer that for us after he goes and hangs out with his family. And yeah, I guess those fish are pretty hungry under the ice. <laughs> yeah i don't know it's kind of like hunting yeah i grew up shooting a gun and stuff like that but sitting in a, a deer stand all day waiting for deer to wander by just yeah. i'm too fancy for that oh so am i i just i'm going to the grocery store or a farmer's market right like i would <laughs> yeah. we have but the no. amish around here big time so i just we go to oh, some yeah. promised place and, and buy everything organically yeah and there's some good restaurants in that area Yes, there is. All right, let's close out this show and say it's also, again, our last show for the year, right? So what are you most looking forward to in the industry or personally, too, if you want to take it that direction in 2023? Ooh, so I'm looking forward to it to slow down, a, you know. I mean, not the, you know, what everybody's talking about, 
But the last couple of years, your hair has been on fire and it's been so difficult and challenging to keep up with everything. And, you know, so kind of looking forward to kind of getting back to more of that normal where, you know, you have a little bit more time to to do what you need to do rather than what you have to do. Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat there. I'm really looking forward to the industry's continued focus on working on that repair event cycle time issue. I know Gary Enyard, Nathan Hart, my incoming chairman, new chairman of the board, the RVIA folks, the people at the RV Technical Institute in Elkhart, which is training techs. You know, everybody's focused on it. And, you know, we've had a number of these initiatives, Susan, you know, over the years to try to do something. This time, I think it's really going to stick and move forward. And I'm just really excited to see where we go on this, you know, continuous improvement to try to keep people on the road and get them in and out of service bays quicker. Peggy, Andy? What are we looking forward to in the new year? Well, just continue to meet new people and, and hang out someplace warm in the wintertime. Yeah. And because he's retired, we're we are working on our own thing now as freelancers. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a photographer and I do landscape nature and I'm also a certified 107 certified drone operator. So okay. we're trying to grow that building and work on my stock photography and market to, for instance, RV parks that might need some advertisement. Yeah, we've done some websites for two RV parks is all we've been able to do on our own so far. I write the content, he does the photos. So I'm hoping that in the new year we can maybe move forward with that a little more. That's awesome. I think from my perspective, like I'm really looking forward to like, man, I can't say this without talking about my own company, which I rarely do. I'm not a self-promotional type guy, right? But I run Insider Brooks. We do marketing for 400 campgrounds, you know, and what, one of the things I'm looking forward to is kind of this pivot that I've been trying to do for years that kind of got stalled with COVID and that's pivoting more into a marketing tech security data like company that does more than, because people just kind of view marketing when you tell them you do marketing. Oh, you post on social media. Oh, that's not like, no. <laughs> so much more. Yeah. But I'm really interested in how this industry is changing. And part of that is brought on by, you know, COVID and the adaption of technology and, you know, even things as simple as Zoom, but also coming from IAPA in Orlando and looking at some of the innovations there that, yes, that show is attended by some campground owners, but it is not traditionally even close to thought of as a show that campground owners can go to get things and amenities and, you know, attractions for their properties. And so I, they sat down and I attended as press, right. And we sat down and we interviewed the incoming CEO of IAPA and we talked about outdoor hospitality and outdoor resorts and a little bit about RVing and things like that, but just walking the show floor and thinking from you know my perspective of what are some of these vendors who aren't targeting campgrounds who could be, and I'm excited to kind of work on some consulting and strategy and think about some of these things from a unique perspective that campground owners can continue to adopt as technology becomes more of a, a solid firm ground that some of these parks adapt to. There's two things that really stuck out in my mind. One was there was this really cool vendor who had some of those lockers, like the Amazon lockers that you can open oh. an app. And so we were talking, I was talking to him, like he never thought about it before. I said, well, you know, obviously there's this basic, you know, put it in the campground store or outside the store and you can, you know, have people be able to place orders via an app. And then they can open, you know, get a text message when it's ready. And so you can sell stuff from your store and put it in there. But one of the things that made this really unique is they can come in different sizes and they can also be refrigerated or heated. So you can put heated food like pizza slices or, you know, store for restaurant food or bags of ice. And so 
these things can be ready and kept temperature controlled even for late check-ins and checkouts and just all kinds of cool stuff like that, I think is, you know, that's one of the things that really stuck out to me and, and hopefully we'll be able to get him on the show and more involved in the industry. And then there was a really cool company. I don't know if you guys have seen this, these last mile robots that do delivery on college campuses and stuff like that. And there was a super cool company at IAPA that had one where you just stand right in front of it, press your thumb, it recognizes you and that's all you need to do. And then it will follow you, whoever that is. And so I told them, well, like you need to have these at campgrounds and that's a revenue source for owners who maybe can have an ability for this robot to follow you around and carry all your stuff to the pool, your towels or stuff like that, or firewood back from the store because they can't carry it or ice or whatever it is. And so this is, yeah, kind of a gimmick, but it's a revenue generator. It's an Instagrammable thing for your campgrounds to share. And they can carry 20 to 40 pounds and they're super easy to operate in. I don't know. So just, yeah, I'm really yeah. interested in thinking outside the box and seeing where this industry is going to go because it's going to be super cool. Yeah, that is cool. Order ice and it can deliver it to you too. I went to a bowling alley the other day and this robot, somebody ordered something, this robot comes mm -hmm. over and delivers it. And I'm like, wow. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's changing really fast. That's just one of the use cases too. They, the guy was, the lady was telling me, well, you know, we have hospitality hotels that we work with where they'll, the guy will follow, you know, some of the staff will have the robot follow him around and they'll have some of the essentials like toothbrushes and deodorants and things you might've forgotten. They'll sell it out of that. So. But yeah, I'm really, it's all, like, I love challenges. I'm a big tech geek for anybody who knows me. So I'm thrilled the adoption of some of the stuff. I eat it up. Oh, I love me. So. Yeah, I like it. All right. Any closing thoughts? We've got two minutes here before we wrap up the show. Just thank you, Brian, for everything you do. Love this yeah. show. I think you do a great job doing this. You and Carb putting it together and inviting us to, to be guests. I really enjoy being here. Well, yeah. I appreciate we that. We thank you for letting us be here. Yeah. What I do yeah. is nothing without. Susan, Phil, and Peggy, and Andy, and all the other people who have appeared on the show for, I was thinking about the other two and a half years. I think it's crazy. I've been doing this every week. Karen and I have. But yeah, it's nothing without the guests who are sharing their stories, who are talking about these things. So I just kind of string it all together. And I'm not even a pretty face, so I don't really know what I do. Matt, be clear. You're right. rocking the sunglasses. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, yeah. And where's a four-legged co-star? She's I think sleep next to him. Oh, oh, oh there we go. Oh, <laughs> so that's Riley. All right, guys. Well, if there's nothing else, I really appreciate you guys being here, especially the day before Thanksgiving. Again, hope you guys all have a wonderful, amazing holiday with family, friends, watching football, drinking alcohol, whatever you guys are going to do. Just having a good time easy. for a couple of days for yourself. Don't get up really and go Black Friday shopping. Things are available online. So uh, nobody's planning any violent bursting through lines, pushing people aside. Hopefully we could all have a peaceful, good holiday. And thank you guys again. I really appreciate y'all being here and we'll see you on the, I don't know, fourth week of January, I guess. So yeah. See you next year. Yeah. Have a great Christmas, happy new year's and all those kinds of things. So take care guys. I appreciate y'all. Thank, thank, thank you. Bye. Thanks for watching this episode of MC Fireside Chats, hosted by Brian Searle and Kara Sismadia. Have a suggestion for a future show or want to see your campground or company as part of an episode? Email us at hello at moderncampground.com. Join us next week for another episode. And don't miss the latest outdoor hospitality news and commentary from around the world at moderncampground.com.